Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Proper Lookout Podcast. I am Eden Christopher. I'm here, a solicitor here at McCabe Kerwood, and I'm joined today by Bethany Marla, a graduate in our team. How are you going, Bethany? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am super. Today, we are socially distant in our office in Chatswood, and we're going to be talking about common mistakes in WPI assessments. Now, these are mistakes that are across the board from claimant solicitors experts to typical insurance experts, as well as MAS assessors. So, no discrimination here whatsoever. Bethany, what kind of guidelines, uh, what are the guidelines that people need to be looking at for these? Yeah, so the first point of contact should be the CIRA website. Um, For MACA, you're going to want to have a look at the Motor Accident Permanent Impairment Guidelines Version 1, effective the 1st of June 2018. And for Maya, you're going to want to have a look at the Motor Accident Guidelines Version 5.1, effective from the 17th of April 2020. And in particular, you're going to want to focus on Part 6. Yeah, that's right. So these get updated from time to time. So always keep a look at on the CIRA publications page of the website. Now, the first mistake we're going to be going through is radiculopathy, which most people will be familiar with. It's uh, to account for radiculopathy or to f- make a clinical finding of radiculopathy, you need to find two or more of five particular signs that could be present on examination. Now, you want to look at paragraph 1.138 of the MACA guidelines or paragraph 6.138 of the Maya guidelines, and you'll see that there's five different signs. And the main thing that I find uh, doctors making a mistake with or not properly recording in their examination is whether or not things like muscle atrophy, muscle weakness, or sensory loss follow a specific dermatomal pattern, or they'll make a finding of muscle loss when there is signs of diffuse or diffuse muscle weakness or diffuse sensory loss. So it doesn't follow a dermatomal pattern at all, and that would be an invalid finding of radiculopathy if they were based on those predicates. That's a very easy one. It's very easy to check as well. You can download a Google image showing you where the dermatonal patterns are. So I'd encourage everyone to have one of those uh, whenever you're looking at this topic. Bethany, what's the mistake that you often come across? Yeah, so another common mistake we see in psychiatric assessments is the inclusion of physical injuries in a PIRS assessment, um, which under the guidelines isn't allowed. So rather, a PIRS assessment should only consider the psychiatric injuries. So for example, we see reports where it says a claimant cannot work because of a back injury. And then in the PIRS assessment, under the heading adaptability, it will say the claimant can't work and therefore a high score is given. However, this isn't accurate as the impairment doesn't arise because of the psychiatric injury. Yeah, it's insane how often that comes up. That's a very common mistake and it's really easy to pick up as well. I'm going to be going through another mistake. It's actually in relation to a case that uh, McCabe Kerr was in in 2018, AAI Limited and Lou, and it's all about contralateral uninjured joints being used as a baseline when assessing the impairment of the injured shoulder, for instance. So in that matter, the claimant had injured both shoulders in the accident 
But by the time of the MAS assessment, he said one of the shoulders was back to normal, but normal to the claimant was still restricted in motion. And so the assessors had to decide, well, is this an uninjured joint able to be used as a baseline? And since the claimant had said the shoulder was normal, even though it still exhibited some restriction, the assessors decided that they could use it as a baseline and then reduce the impairment of the injured shoulder, which was still showing symptoms. And it ended up that the claimant was just under 10%, uh, and that was challenged. And when I went to court, the decision of the assessor was upheld that you could use a shoulder, even though it had been injured, as a baseline, as long as that shoulder had returned to normal. Bethany, what's the last mistake you'd like to go through? Yeah, so another common mistake we see is the combining of lower extremity impairments um, in situations that aren't allowed under the guidelines. So it's really important for everyone to refer to Table 6.5 of MACA or Table 5 for Maya, and this will help determine what can and can't be combined for lower extremity impairments. So an uh, example that on occasion we see is that muscle atrophy um, is combined with a diagnosis-based estimate such as uh, cruciate ligament laxity, and this just isn't allowed, so better keep a lookout for it. (laughs) Yeah, it's really easy. Whenever you are dealing with or you're reviewing a WPI assessment relating to a lower extremity, it's good just to pull out table 6.5 of the MACA guidelines or table 5 of the Maya guidelines just to see that anything that was combined was able to be combined. We'll put links under the podcast for all the guidelines, uh, AAI Limited and Loose, everyone can have a look at that and anything else that's worth reading in relation to this topic. We'll come back in a couple of weeks' time with a couple more common mistakes in WPI assessments. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at or visit our website to see McCabe Kerwood's full team of specialists.